My name is Kyle Willis, and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Welcome to a new episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. We are starting a new series today focusing on mindset and methods that work for marketing. I'm really, really excited to bring on a guest who, uh, as we've connected, feel like we're, you know, the two peas of the pod, that kindred soul, someone who, when I start speaking about my hatred for status quo, he, he's preaching it right next to me. And our guest today is Andrew Kaplan. Andrew, I'll introduce you a little more bio about you in a moment, but I'm stoked to have you here with us today. Kyle, believe me, the feeling is more than mutual. I'm really excited for this conversation, man. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, absolutely, man. You know, for our, like, our listeners' benefit, I connected with Andrew, got excited as I got to know him. He has an iTunes Top 200 podcast called Shattering the Mold. And as you guys know me, the, my agency's name, No to the Quo, when I got to know Andrew, and we started talking about, you know, our desire to see things change and different. His podcast was like ear candy to me and obviously been to many others with his chart topping ratings there. But Andrew, I love what you've created with your podcast, Shattering the Mold. And I would love to kind of just begin by having you tell me a little bit of where that name came from and what is this mold you're out to shatter? Absolutely. Well, you know, thanks for the compliment. And it's, Really, the mold that I'm talking about is groupthink, and that could take a million forms. And obviously, I imagine like a lot of people that listen to this podcast, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, they're people that already think for themselves. So they kind of understand what I'm talking about. But I think, you know, just society's always been this way. It's easy to say like, whoa, it's 2019 and it's getting worse and worse and worse. You could go back, you know, decades past and you can find evidence like there's always been this level of groupthink. People have always been put in a box. People have always been conditioned to not think very intuitively and not very creatively and not innovate the way they could and should. Just the fact that Steve Jobs existed doesn't mean that there were many of him. And the whole thing about this, the whole point of shatter the mold is just to give examples and points of reference to show people different ways that they can continue to think outside of the box and not just consistently get so boxed in. So tell me then, when you're talking about groupthink and some examples of where this is prevalent in our culture and in business today, maybe it's, what's one or two of these examples of groupthink that you say are just, are killing us as entrepreneurs, our business, and it's time to shatter the mold to them? Mm. Well, you know, from an entrepreneur standpoint, I think part of the groupthink is that you always have to do the new thing. And we all hear of, you know, bright, shiny object syndrome, yeah. and yet we continually fall for it, most of us. And we find ourselves forgetting the fundamentals because we want to look like we're in the know. We want to look like we're in the now. We want to, we, and this isn't even a thing where if people aren't aware of it, this is something like we need to tell ourselves. We fall in love with having the latest iPhone and having the latest um app and the latest whatever in order to get business done, not realizing that it's really the fundamentals that you've got to get worked out no matter what before even worrying about that nonsense. And we all, I've done it myself and that's why I can speak so, uh, so well of it from, from experience. I've fallen for these traps so many times myself. 
I imagine this may be a bit of a big question then. So I, I welcome you to simplify it as much as you'd like, or if it's worth uh, elaborating on, go for it. But what's kind of been this journey for you then in discovering your fundamentals and what what it is you want to believe, what it is you want to stand by, not letting those around you try to shape that mold for you? Right. Well, you know, it all comes down, honestly, to, to being one of those information junkies. And I guess you could either call it a gift or a curse. <laughs> but I, I consumed so much information that like one thing, first of all, I'm about to pat myself on the back. And that's really my call to people like, as long as you're not being a dick about it, and as long <laughs> as you're not looking down on other people, yeah. pat yourself on the back. So I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I am really good at pattern recognition. Hmm. So when you got someone like me that that did overly consume information, it did not take long to spot that a lot of, you know, all these programs I was buying and all this information that I was buying, it was pretty much saying the same thing in different ways, trying to sell me on why their vocabulary was different or their methods were different. It was all the same nonsense. So it all comes down to like just having been through this so many times and fortunately observing where people were successful, not so successful and then taking that into my own clients. So the experience that I always speak from is the successes and failures that I've either gone through myself or I've witnessed through acquaintances or even mentors. I love that. Yeah, and so I guess the follow-up question I have too that is I start thinking through the process and the method to those fundamentals and avoiding information overload, but knowing what information you do want to attain from as mentors and self-experiences. I, I guess the way I would simply ask it is how do you know what to be true or what to be uh, that you can build on without having to go through that information overload and discover? Certainly there's some, you know, the, the school of hard knocks is one of the best teachers out there, but is there other ways that you've, you've discovered and jumped into like, man, here's some here's some voices i've learned that i can really trust here's some sources i've learned that uh, I, I should be avoiding when i'm trying yeah. to build these fundamentals well well i can easily you know name drop suggestions which which i can totally do but but a piece of this is not that you have to be lucky in general but but hopefully you are in the sense that in the midst of all your research hopefully early on you find people that know what they're doing right away and you're just not smart, but wise enough to just stick with them and what they're doing rather than looking for the next best thing when you already had something like right there for you. Like for example, you know, Dan Kennedy, anyone that learns about Dan Kennedy and learns from him, yeah. you're already getting so much valuable information. Anybody that learns about like Frank Kern, if you learn from him, you don't need to go into a million people and even like, and I always say this um, with a disclaimer because sometimes this guy has haters. <laughs> to his credit, Russell Brunson has worked out a lot of, you know, kinks and a lot of the mechanics of how to market yourself. So, you know, you read Expert Secrets and Dotcom Secrets, whether you love the guy or hate him, you're going to learn a lot about refining your message and having a game plan for how you want to present yourself. And obviously I can be selfish and plug my own book, but that's that's a whole different situation. But it is really about, finding people that are already doing it the right way and then just not being too impatient to try to find someone else. Just, you know, whatever works, stick with that and that you let that carry you through because, you know, even like sales, like I can read about, I don't know, give me like literally a thousand sales books to read. <laughs> yeah. I discovered, you know, years ago, the craft of copywriting. And if you learn copywriting, you don't need to learn sales because sales is included in copywriting 
on a higher level. Human psychology is included in copywriting on a higher level. Copywriting to me is one of these um, hacks. You know, it's kind of like the warp zone back from the Super Mario games where you can warp ahead in a couple levels by studying that specific discipline because it gives you a lot of other pieces mm -hmm. without you having to research them independently. I love that. I love that. I'm with you there. I've gone down the copywriting uh, warp zone as I've jumped into some of the, the Dan Kennedys and Gary Halberts. And you're absolutely right. As, I, as I've studied them and understand what is it that connects to that emotional behavior? What is it that connects to that psychological uh, process that is more of being able to make those connections than it is just the words that highlight the benefits and features people want to buy from, and I, you know, I, you brought up uh, you brought up books, you brought up uh, some uh, speakers that you've listened to, some leaders that you've been trained in, and you know, I want to just kind of highlight, <clears throat> excuse me, highlight here that this kind of led you to your own discovery and your own journey uh, that uh, culminated into creating your own book that. Mm -hmm. Correct me if, I, if I'm wrong on that, but that's one of the things I got really excited about is I got to know you and that you launched a new book uh, here at the beginning of the new year uh, called It Doesn't Matter What You're Selling. Tell me a little yes. bit about that and what that journey was to creating this new book. Well, you know, honestly, it was something where I, you know, I'm in the market myself as a copywriter and as a marketing consultant. And, as, you know, they say you've got to have a book, but I didn't want to just write a book without having something to say. And I didn't want a book just for the sake of it. But the more I thought about it, it kind of goes back to how we started this conversation. I am fully aware that people are over inundated with information. And so I like what I asked myself, like, what if I wrote a book about marketing that just gave it, that really simplified it, got it right down to the meat and potatoes of what you need to do. And it almost becomes like a tool for me because anybody could buy it and they don't need to work with me. However, someone hires me as a consultant or even as a copywriter, I can give them the book and have them read it. And it's a really short book. It's only like 160 pages. And all of a sudden I've like hijacked the educational process and they're automatically stronger when they're working with me and they understand the techniques and the tactics without me having to explain everything. So yeah. there's a couple of selfish ends in terms of like just working for myself, but also ultimately I just wanted a cool book that gave people these really solid core six fundamentals that, you know, if you follow these and you adhere to these, then you really, it doesn't matter what you're selling. And um, that wasn't the first title of the book. The first title kind of sucks. I don't even know if I want to admit what it is. <laughs> But I remember uh, bringing it by a mentor. I, I told my mentor about the title and he, like, he told me in so many words, he was trying to spare my feelings. He's like, and by the way, the story is, um, is what I'm hoping is gonna be good advice for somebody that's writing a book. Yeah. He told me he didn't like it. And I'm like, well, shit, I, I'm like, this is like two weeks before I'm putting out the book. Thank oh. God I'm self-publishing self on Amazon. I don't have to worry about a publisher breathing down my throat. But so I went through the introduction and the first chapter and looking for any insight bombs that I dropped in the beginning because sometimes we do those things without realizing it yeah. and I saw the words typed out there it doesn't matter what you're selling so mm. advice to people out there if like you have a book coming out and you already think you have a brilliant title before you put it out go through the first one or two chapters of your book and see if there's anything that really hits you that might actually be a way better way more appropriate way more appealing title for yourself I love that. I love that. That's definitely a, a good journey to be able to uh, self-actualize what resonates within you and what speaks to what it is you're trying to accomplish. Now, as you highlight in this book, there's six moves that you talk about 
for getting more clients. And without without trying to talk through the whole book here, I'll certainly leave some excitement to our listeners to want to check your book out on Amazon. But is there one of those moves that you'd say that has been kind of a foundation to you as a copywriter, as a marketing consultant, that has truly opened doors and changed your process and how you serve your clients that we may be able to hear from and apply today? Yeah, well, you know, there, there's actually two that come to mind. One that's like the obvious real power play, and another one that a lot of people actually don't realize how powerful it is. So okay. the, the one, the one that's kind of obvious is positioning, and you know, and this comes down again to copywriting and psychology. It's how you position yourself and your product in relation to how people are going to perceive you. It's going to make all the difference because positioning, in many, in so many words, is really just answering the question for people before they even ask that question of whether or not you are useful to them, I like whether that. or not they should be spending their money on you. And that, like an example of positioning is if you're easy or difficult to get on the phone. An example of positioning is, does your stuff sell out right away? Are you letting people know when your stuff sells out? Because if, you, if it's selling out but people don't even know, like you don't realize you could actually be raising your prices and selling even more and increasing even more demand just by putting that out there. And it doesn't even have to be like an overly cheesy salesy way. It's like yeah. just truthful. So positioning takes a, that's actually like the longest chapter in the book. And I, I made it like chapter one. So once people got through that, everything was a breeze. Cool. But the other one that I really want to highlight that people kind of hear about and they pay lip service to, but if they look at their marketing, they never really utilize the way they should is storytelling. Like and that. there's just, there's this magic, I believe, about storytelling because when you, and you know, some people realize this already, but when you tell a story, you are automatically without any effort regressing your audience to the six or seven year old stage where they're looking to you as an authority, where they're engaged and interested in what you want to hear. And that's why people, you know, they think of the stereotype as like a college or a, or a school lecture because like a teacher's droning on and on and on. When those same teachers go into a storytelling aspect of their presentation, everybody perks up and everyone gets way more engaged because you're accessing the brain in a way that people have conditioned themselves to be interested at that same time. And it's a very easy thing, by the way. You don't have to be like this brilliant storyteller in order to use it wisely for your marketing. Yeah. You just have to tell very simple, basic stories. I love that. It's something that I've been passionate for. Um, we've had a few episodes here in this podcast about storytelling from both marketing and sales perspective and resonate wholeheartedly with you. That it's unfortunately become a bit of a lost art that of, of people not knowing how to tell a good story. And right. we see, you know, when you think about the some of the best brands out there, it's not because they have the best products or the biggest ad budget. It's because they tell the best story and people connect with that, that story, that element, that hero within and say, I want to be that person. So I'm going to buy the product, hire that service so I can resonate within that story they share. Yeah. And this kind of uh, pulls us back into the whole why I have a podcast called Shatter the Mold. Some people are listening right now and they are resistant to storytelling because they are in the mold, the group think, of believing that the story has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And mm -hmm. actually, I did a training on this yesterday. Uh, one of the book bonuses that I give people, I'll just give this bonus away right now. It's something I teach called the Hollywood method of engaging your audience. And... It's one of those things where like, think about Star Wars, think about Iron Man, think about Deadpool. I like Star Wars just because everyone knows how successful that thing was. But the movie picks up 
in the middle of a scene. Like you're right there already in the middle of the action. And that's another way of saying like Hollywood, they've worked this out. They make their money. So obviously this works. You don't have to have the beginning of the story in order to engage people. If you don't have that perfect, be perfect beginning, just pick it up right in the middle, right where the action is already, because you're going to get so much more play doing something like that than you even begin to realize. There's like so much more there for you. Oh man, that's so good. That, that's absolutely a game changer there. I think that's so true. We often think I have to begin somewhere. Well, um, I don't, where can I begin right now? I'm still in the middle of my journey. And so I don't have a story to tell yet. But I love, that's a super, super practical example of what we've seen with Star Wars and Marvel of where they begin in their story is rarely the actual origin. I, I love reading some of those articles that come out and it's like, hey, if you want to catch the whole Marvel universe, you got to start with Iron Man 1 and Captain America 2. And then you jump, you know, it's like there's a whole story behind how you actually should watch these movies if you want beginning from end has nothing to actually do with what year they were released in. Exactly, exactly. And um, just, you know, while we're in value mode, I'll, I'll read this real quick from, from the bonus, just to give people a demonstration of how basic this can be. There's, cool. there's no high art to this. Like, here's the story I use. So there I was standing in the middle of the end zone and I was holding the game ball and everyone came rushing to hoist me on their shoulders and carry me around the field. And I couldn't figure out why they were so excited because it wasn't even halftime yet. All I knew was that my year-long crush was running toward me with everyone else. And after an entire semester of just wanting, hoping, wishing her just to notice me finally, she was ready to finally show me a little love. <laughs> but enough about that. Let's get back to the interview because you can see that's all you really needed to start something going with whatever story you'd want to tell about your product or service. Uh, yeah, I'm already perked and uh, interested to know what, what's more here, what's going on with the game, why, is, why are you on their shoulders, and what's happening next. So Yeah, uh, and notice, like, we didn't have to go into details of how the game began. We didn't have to go into details of how we got to the end zone to begin with. None of it was necessary in order to get this, the audience engaged. And in order to accomplish whatever it is that you want to do with whatever message you're pushing. Yeah. And so in pushing this, being able to bring this message, push this message and in talking about mediums to do it. I know uh, we've talked earlier about copywriting, about social media. And as we've highlighted a little bit here today, now with your podcast being one of those mediums to share your story, what led you to podcasting as being an outlet to share your journey and share that the process you're going through? Well, it's, it's funny because like as a copywriter, I'm, I'm so used to typing, but I, I had an interesting experience where I want to experiment with like doing a bunch of Facebook lives and just see what happened if I would speak out instead and kind of force myself to speak without having to think about what the words were going to be first. And just basically one, I enjoy it. And two, it's another platform, but three, there's almost like the selfish piece of it where it's another outlet for me to be creative and push the, the boundaries of my own mind because I'm challenging myself to communicate in a way that I normally haven't been doing in my professional career. So like if I can do all that all while simultaneously, hopefully helping people yeah. get a new perspective on the world around them, then it's, it's kind of like, you know, a wind situation times five or six There's so many wins just in that little opportunity. I love that. I love that. And in in your podcast, you know, you've had some incredible success with it already. Climbing charge, break breaking records. Uh, what what has kind of led to that? If you have a simple way of being able to answer that question, as I know many of our listeners, 
do have their own podcasts or have been contemplating starting one of their own and giving any advice to those who say, all right, I, I want to have a place to get my message out, share my story. Maybe podcast is the way I ought to go. Hmm. So yes. And like the, the advice on what to do for podcasts, you mean? Yeah. You know, from that, from that marketing and storytelling side, uh, I guess, mm. I guess, you know, if, uh, another way to ask it is what's uh, practically what's worked best for you. Is it a mix of uh, uh, doing interviews? Is it a mix of is it, uh, only doing your own topics uh, from just kind of the content side, as well as then um, the, the flow? What, what is it? Or is it, does it not even matter? And you just got to be yourself going back to what you first talked about in the beginning of the fundamentals. Right. Well, I'm glad you asked you that because here's the beauty of it. I mean, I am not, I'm, I'm pretty new in the game. I'm certainly not the most successful podcaster in the world. And the point is, um, I have yet to decide on a specific format. There's episodes like I just today, I was fortunate and grateful enough to release an episode where I was interviewing you. And that, by the way, is a real treat. I get to interview other people that kind of understand this stuff and we get in great conversations. But by that same token, and, and our episode together was, I think, like 46 or 49 minutes. But then I'll do like 11 minute episodes where I just go off on like a little rant about something yeah. because it's information that's useful to be sharing. So I haven't figured out the perfect formula just yet or what I believe to be the perfect formula. But that's also even part of the point. I think it's good. The beauty of podcasting is unlike, you know, what you're used to even on television where there's a format and there's a time limit and there's commercial time and all this and that, you get to choose and structure it and play with it because, you know, there's people out there, they put out podcasts that are five minutes long each episode and that's it. It really comes down. I think the, the main thing is whatever choice you make, the main thing you want to do is you want to be consistent Oh. And you want to be, I guess, prolific. So if you could only do two episodes a week, do two episodes a week. Like if you're doing five per week, make sure that you can stay on that schedule. Because if you can't, it's much better to only do three a week and batch produce and have it kind of like um, a backlog of episodes yeah. so that people at least can get used to what they can depend on you for. If you do too much and you can't keep up with it, that's a lot worse than not doing as much, but always being consistent because people have these subconscious viewpoints and judgments that they make of you, even if they don't even want to make those judgments. I, I hear that, man. That's awesome. And I absolutely resonate with you about the importance of consistency. I think that's something that I've certainly wrestled with myself and, and seen it with some of our clients when it comes to content that works and that the key to it is, is consistency. So amen, amen to that. I guess, I guess the kind of last question I like to ask here, you know, we're talking here about uh, mediums that work for being able to share your story, you know, kind of talked about uh, the importance of storytelling, how to tell your story, uh, some, some insights of, uh, of storytelling that it doesn't have to have a beginning, but start where you're at. And then, you know, now we're talking about some methods to be able to share your story and the, the mediums for it. I know from from what we've talked about, you're an expert in social media and being able to create great content that will engage an audience. How have you seen social media? It's obviously no new platform for for sharing a story and and creating good content. But how have you seen it work well for you for your clients uh, as a good outlet? Is it more from just hey, you got to have good good content for ads or no, the organic side really works well if dot, dot, dot. Right. Well, I'm a big fan of the organic because the organic can be converted into an ad and it's not necessarily always the same thing in reverse. 
But regardless of, of what direction you come through, the, the key thing to remember is there's, um, there's a paradox of trying to be different. Like everyone is trying to be different, which makes them the same. In the end, all you can do is be yourself. And it sounds like such a cliche in and of itself, but the thing about it is everyone's got unique qualities and unique aspects of their product or service. All you want to do in your social media is you want to highlight that in a way that makes people interested in learning more about you. And it also, it all depends on the market because like, you know, people that are in, you know, the fitness market, they're going to be interested in stories, inspiring stories about weight loss. Yeah. They're not going to want to hear about like your, your latest stock pick. That's nothing, <laughs> you know, but that latest stock pick, that's going to be serving a different market. That's like the spectator market. So it all comes really down to understanding your audience and understanding what you're trying to accomplish. And once you do that, um, it's not really that hard to figure out how to push yourself. But if it is, then just hire someone to do it for you. So because as long as the person that you hire understands what you're trying to achieve, what your product or service is and who your audience is, and they know what the hell they're doing, you're going to get a win from it. Because the number one thing you want to do is you want to remember that we're all lurkers, like all of us. There's probably pages and, and profiles you go on and you never interact with a person and never know it. Yeah. I kind of like look at it this way, like whoever's out there, you, there's probably three or four other profiles just like you that a prospective customer is looking at. Hmm. And all you want to do is you want to be consistent. You want to be engaging. You want to um, put out, you know, social proof whenever you can. You want to entertain them. You want to do this mix of things to just make sure that they're on your profile long enough so that when it's finally time for them to scratch that itch and pull out their wallet and make that purchase, you're the person that they're on when that decision actually takes hold. I like that. I like that. I guess if I could ask one more question then as it relates to social media, as, you know, our listeners who are out there as entrepreneurs saying, all right, I feel like I got a story to tell. I know I have some good content and I know who I want to reach. But when it comes to building an audience, I don't really know where to begin. Do you have any simple tips and recommendations as kind of, you know, step one, two, or three of where someone can begin to craft that audience? Yeah, well, thing of it is, is like they're out there and they're, they're actually, they're not hiding. You know, they're in Facebook groups. They're in LinkedIn groups. Um, they're where you're looking for them. And, and also a lot of it depends on the format of your engagement. Like if you like making videos, even though there's a lot of stuff going on with YouTube right now and there's, there's other platforms that are gonna be coming out there, just having your videos out there and pushing it organically that way, and even if you gotta like put some, some ad revenue behind it, that's gonna find people that headlines in your YouTube videos. But by the same token, Facebook groups and even LinkedIn groups and, and forums and Reddit, these are invaluable not only for finding people, but actually you read about their pains, their doubts, um, their frustrations, and it actually writes the copy and the message for you because now you know how to word things when you're addressing the solution for them. So like a great way to do is like, you know, go on Facebook, find groups, interact with people. Um, when people like your posts, uh, you know, friend request them and just engage and, and be on top of it as much as you can. And I realize as I say that, that's not necessarily an easy task. And I realize that there's also like a million things on your plate. So, you know, another thing you might want to do is podcast because even podcasting, you put yourself out there, you get yourself in front of people, the right audience will find you, especially when you're getting the right guests and you're putting yourself on the right shows. So it's really just about putting yourself out there in any way, shape or form that you can. 
wherever you think your audience is actually going to be. I like that. And you know, kind of kind of bring it full circle now as we've talked about, you know, as you've discovered who your audience is and built that audience for you, podcasting being uh, one of your primary platforms. Tell us a little bit, uh, again, the name Shattering the Mold podcast. Tell us the best way that you'd love people to be able to find you and be able to listen to that podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually it's, uh, Shatter the Mold. And um, I can put that as, as an action yeah. verb. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. I'll tell you a quick funny story. Um, the original title was going to be Breaking the Mold. So I get the ING. And the only reason it wasn't Breaking the Mold was because I did research and saw that there were podcasts that already existed. Uh-huh. So I'm like, all right, I got to level this up. And I was like on the fence between shattering and shatter and just shatter came off my, my lips quicker. Yeah. Um, so to, to answer that though, uh, the, the web address is shatter the mold podcast.com. And that website will, the show streaming right then and there, your episodes, the first thing people see if they go on today. Um, Cause I'm assuming you're going to put this up right away, of course. Right. <laughs> um, and of course it's got links to, you know, iTunes, Google play, things like that. And even if people want to check out the book on Amazon, there's just a, a speed link right there on that website. They don't have to worry about searching on Amazon themselves. So awesome. that's your one go-to stop for everything Andrew S. Kaplan related. I love it. ShattertheMoldPodcast.com. And thank you. I'll make sure not to say it shattering again. No, dude. I'm, dude I, I caught myself doing it when I started. So we're all good. But um, thank you for that, man. I'm, I'm hoping everyone out there that, that checks it out. Um, I'm sure at the very least they'll enjoy your episode because you were on fire during our talk. So thank you again uh, for that, my friend. I'm honored by that. And that's, that's, I feel that as I started off our conversation, it's that ability to connect with you and that sense of, man, when we're, we're both jamming on the status quo that we're out to change, that's what I get excited. And, you know, you're talking about the mentors to listen to and how to, how to se- uh, separate the, the quality out of, from, from the noise. I mean, that, that thrills me. And so I guess, you know, uh, uh, one thing I'd like, uh, love to just kind of add, is there anything that you're seeing just in changing the, the marketing uh, styles of how you're working with your clients uh, uh, in, our, in our culture today and business today of what you're seeing? All right, man, here's kind of where, let's, let's talk future proofing here. What is, what is working f- for you and your business and where you say, all right, here's where I see storytelling going, positioning going in the next two to five years that we have to be on the front edge if we don't want to get passed by. Right. Well, you know, concept I learned from uh, this guy, Mitch Miller, um, was the concept of market, media, and message. And the truth is, like, your market and your message, they technically never have to change. The only way the message changes is um, the context of the media that it fits into. Like remember back in the day when Twitter was only 140 characters, of course, that's going to change your message, but it's the media. That's the main thing that we got to be on the lookout for, because like right now you can still get plenty of play on Facebook if you know what you're doing. And right now LinkedIn is a gold mine and anyone out there that's written a book, if you wrote a book, Amazon's great because you can advertise on Amazon and you're actually pushing your message to people that are already in buying mode on the site. Mm, um, but, but future pacing, you know, we're actually, we're in the middle of a very interesting week in a very interesting month in a very interesting year because anybody that's been following the news a little bit, they know that all hell is breaking loose on, on YouTube and a little bit on Twitter. 
and you've got these other platforms like you know Gab and Parler, and you've got BitChute and DLive, which are YouTube alternatives. And the thing is, right now, it's actually you know getting a little political real quick, and I'll I'll tie this up with a bow. But <laughs> there's a lot going on with um you know conservatives versus liberals, left wing, right wing, and you know a lot of left right wing and conservative people being like banned and shadow banned and deleted and, and all this stuff from YouTube. But there's actually a deeper level of the game where it's actually big media versus little media. And uh -huh. once the conservatives are knocked out of the box, you're going to notice left-wing people that are still um, independent creators also getting pushed out in favor of big media. And what I'm saying is here, you're going to notice a big shift in YouTube and in Twitter where people are going to be looking for a more decentralized platform. Oh, so. Wow. YouTube specifically, like a big thing if you're a content creator is you're relying on the ad revenue. You might not have that, so you might want to have something else in your game plan where you can monetize yourself in a different way. If you end up going on like BitChute or Library or Gab or all these other different ones, just be on the lookout. There's a lot of changes on the way in the next two to five years. It's best to be ahead of the curve. It's best to have your own funnels in place. Yeah. So that as long as you can get your content out there and then you control the funnel after that, and you control your list, which is an old school thing to, to do anyway, you know, whether it's AWIBR or MailChimp, just make sure you have the control, the means of distribution to getting your message out to your audience, because you never know when you're accidentally going to get banned yourself, even if you have nothing to do with politics or anything else. Andrew, that was money. That, that was so helpful right there. Uh, as I think, you know, our listeners who are wanting to know how to create good content that's going to last making sure it's going to outlast uh, all the changes and algorithms all the changes and policies all the changes in politics uh that that's huge man thank you for sharing that with us yeah yeah definitely man and again like decentralized is the way people are going and you will see it you will be ready for it just just remember it all comes to business is just finding people to sell something to and having something to sell to them and everything else is just mud and just to kind of wrap up then, when you're talking about selling, because I know this is this is the foundation to who you are and what came out of your book. Uh, tell us again, your, your book on Amazon, It Doesn't Matter What You're Selling, uh, is available on Amazon. Tell us, just kind of wrap it up. What, uh, what can people expect to get out of this and anything else you want them to know as they go to check out your book on Amazon? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the hope is that what they get out of it is a nice um, guidebook or handbook for all the steps that they really need to follow to have that solid marketing game plan in place. And in fact, the subtitle of the book is Six Bulletproof Moves for Getting More Clients, Massive Income, and a Customer Base That Believes in You. Because part of the, like, the whole point of this is like, we all love leads, but in the end, you want customers. You want people that you can continue to market to over and over and over again, because that's where the real money is gonna come. So what I'm hoping people get out of that book and just out of the content that I give them are the fundamentals that find their way through all the clouds and all the noise and all the nonsense. That's just about actually making money consistently and having a real career as an entrepreneur or business owner. So that it's really sustainable and that you never have to worry about a nine to five again. Oh, that's awesome, man. Roosevelt fans, let's make sure we check that out. It doesn't matter what you're selling by Andrew Kaplan on Amazon, as well as his podcast, Shatter the Mold on iTunes or shattermoldpodcast.com. Andrew, 
it's been a real honor having you here. I think there's a lot that I've pulled out of this in regards to the foundations of storytelling, positioning, mediums for content and distribution. And then as we wrapped up here, uh, that gold mine of being able to plan for the future and make sure that whatever happens with YouTube or Twitter, or those platforms that we quote unquote depend on, we truly can live outside of them. Kyle, thank you so much for having me, man. Like this conversation is yet another reminder of why I'm so psyched to meet people like you in podcasts. Uh, I love your show, what you're doing so far. I'm so proud to be a part of this. And dude, just thanks so much for having me on, man. I'm truly humbled. It's been an honor. Roosevelt fans, hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Looking forward to you continuing our series here on methods and mindset uh, next week with that brand new episode. Have a great day. Hey, I want to thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I know you have a lot of options on what podcasts you can listen to, so thank you sincerely for taking the time to join us for this one. If you have enjoyed this conversation, we'd love to keep it going in our Facebook group, Marketing from the Roosevelt Room with Kyle Willis. In that, we have live video, Q&A, and create more of a dialogue. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please join us on Facebook. Otherwise, look forward to catching you on our next episode. Have a great day.